Hi, welcome to another episode of Now and Then with Brad and Isaiah. You're now listening to Isaiah. Sadly, no Brad today, um, but please send him your thoughts and your prayers. Uh, this week, he had some like you know personal stuff he's dealing with, attending to. So you know, we miss him over here. I miss my my wonderful, magical, mythical you know time navigator. Um, but um, he'll be back with us next week for sure, for sure. And um, you got me this week, just me, another solo episode, another little patcher. Um, but of course, I'm sure you guys want to know how my week went. Uh, pretty good. Uh, not really gonna complain. Uh, I went out and I uh, saw some friends, uh, some some old magic buddies, some old wizards, and um, we got some drinks. And it turns out that I am really getting older because, uh, you know, I had had a good time. Uh, you know, I drank and drank and drank and uh, got some Taco Bell. You know, I was feeling really classic, really feeling good. And then uh, got home and just got sick. And I was hungover for like a whole day. And that's not that's not like me. At least I thought. Um, usually I bounce back quicker. But uh, other than that, oh, food, though. Definitely uh, Third Eye Brewery. Um, it was like an IPA place, but the food was really good. A lot of pimento cheese on the menu, which to me is like kind of an old person thing. But uh, I mean, maybe I should just start getting used to it, right? But uh, it, it was good. It was a good time, good food, great beer. Um, and I mean, you know, you know it's good if you puke it up and everything. And you're still like, no, that was worth it. That was good. Uh, so definitely recommend that. Uh, another recommendation on the TV movie tip, uh, Bo Burnham's Inside uh, on Netflix. Very, I was very curious about that. A lot of my friends were like, oh, you know, this was like a very different comedy. Like it was almost less comedy, more like kind of like sad kind of, eh, but uh, it was really worth it. And I mean, and they all said it was really worth the watch too. Uh, to me, it was very funny. If, you, if, you're, if you're into Bo Burnham, you get that from top to finish. It's just, him in his room and doing it all by himself. And it was just really cool, really interesting. Uh, you know, I, I think it, it's good to see what's coming out of the, like the whole COVID time frame quarantine era, you know, cause I mean, obviously not much, but it's cool to see artists still doing stuff, people still making things happen. And um, yeah, I mean, sure. I don't want to see it every day and all my news and media and stuff, but uh, it's cool to see and see like, yeah, we all made it. We all made it through that. And, and now we're here and now we got to make it through today. But, um, but yeah, um, I think that's about it for my week. Uh, so let's get into some news. Uh, we have two new laws restrict police use of DNA search method. Uh, so pretty much this is uh, some new stuff that's kind of happened in terms of how we're going to go about obtaining people's DNA, using the DNA, uh, but in Maryland and Montana, they are going to be limiting forensic genealogy, which is a method they use for the Golden State Killer. Uh, now, that's that's a thing that you look on on both sides. It can be good. It can be bad. Uh, definitely catching that guy, that the, the Golden State Killer, he was a piece of shit and he was terrible. Um, the fact that they were able to do this, like, you know, indirect search through 23andMe and, and make things happen um that was game changing i mean that's something that i would have never have thought that you could do is trace the dna of someone's family relative and then find that and like hey this matches this crime scene it's this person that we have as a suspect this other person but i mean i think also on the other side of that is it's 
it's definitely opening this hole of like, well, are you invading someone's kind of privacy? I mean, now people do sign the waiver and all that stuff. And, you know, a search warrant is a search warrant, you know, but it, it is that, that, that area where it's kind of like, yo, I mean, that cousin or whatever, you know, was just trying to figure out whether he was Scottish or not or something and wound up indirectly implicating someone else. And that kind of stuff to me definitely makes you think and wonder. Um, so we'll see what other states do in terms of, you know, this whole law method. Is it going to spread? Is it going to not? You know, um, we'll hopefully keep posted the more we see and more we hear. Uh, also, we have this week, the it was the 100th anniversary, 100 year anniversary of the Black Wall Street massacre in Tulsa, uh, which to me was something I had not heard about until maybe a year or two ago when the Watchmen series had came out on HBO. And I was like, what? Because it's one of those things where you think this would be covered in like some kind of black history month or, you know, something you'd, you'd hear about in school. Cause it's a major event that happened in our history as Americans. Um, but uh, definitely it was a crazy event. It, pretty much a man had accidentally tripped and fell on the elevator I believe his name is Dick Rowland, and he, you know, allegedly touched a white woman on accident, you know, catching himself, and she ran off, and later, a whole black, like, a whole, you know, white mob came to this, you know, predominantly this all-black all area, because, I mean, obviously, this is, like, segregation, and these people in Tulsa, Oklahoma, kind of made a, a niche for themselves, and were able to really become prosperous and you know do things and i think that obviously had built up built up built up and this was the spark that kind of set people off but just the fact that all of the law enforcement all of the fire department like all these people were just against this whole town and you know they literally ransacked it you know it was uh it's not something that i really love talking about it's definitely something that makes me feel away you know when you really go into the details of it but it's good that as a as a country, as a nation, we're talking about it. I, I saw Biden, you know, have a little, I don't know what it is, a speech conference thing. I don't know what you call it, but seeing him talk about it, it was just one of those things where it's like, it's good that it's in the news, it's in the media. It's, it's in, you know, the thoughts and minds of people because it did happen and it can happen again, you know? And um, also doing some more research because I was on a CNBC looking up a kind of an article. I didn't know that, police had came through after and pretty much try to get all the pictures, which is another reason why it kind of maybe, you know, kind of became more isolated, not less people knew about it because there wasn't as much coverage until later on. So uh, definitely something in kind of history, but also to reflect it now. So I uh, wanted to talk about that a little bit uh, in Japan, some international news, uh, 10,000 volunteers for the Tokyo Olympics quit as Japanese public opposition to the games grow. Um, we got this from the insider. Uh, pretty much, I mean, it's just there's a split going on in the sense of obviously we all want to have the Olympics. You know, we had to postpone it already. It's a it's a huge bummer. COVID sucks, and you know we want to get back to normal. I think that's definitely a, a resounding thing we've all been saying the past few months. But I think. The situation with the Japanese Olympics right now, it, the, in Japan, they have a very, they're at an emergency state in terms of their cases. You know, we've been covering that in our news, you know, prior in earlier episodes. 
that's still an issue. And they're still in a state of emergency in a lot of the provinces in Japan. And so people are like, we're not going to help make this thing happen. And it's going to kill people. It's going to be, it's going to make things worse for us and abroad. It's going to be a super spreader event potentially, you know, and that's, that's an issue. I think um, it's hard. So, I mean, so far though, the games are planning on going as planned um, and we will still keep you posted. Um, we have some more Trump news. Uh, they have, ex- Facebook has extended the suspension and they made it an official statement of two years. Um, and they changed they changed the rules for politicians a bit. So pretty much now Donald is still going to be suspended for a bit. Um, and I imagine they're going to still like, you know, revisit that then, but I mean, they're still citing the, the January 6th riots and saying, Hey, like you did something that endangered lives. It, it put people in jeopardy. So yeah, we suspended your account and we're not undoing that. But at the same time, it's not a permanent ban. So, you know, there's that. But we'll see when that time comes, if other potential politicians that come out and do something, say something crazy, if, you know, Facebook, you know, reacts and does something. Uh, also curious to see, you know, what other social media, you know, outlets will do. But um, yeah, I, I, I think it's very interesting, the effect of social media. It has become a very, very vital tool for, you know, not just us, the common people, but also the politicians to reach the common people. And, um, you know, Trump is mad right now because he really has no one coming to his blog spot. But imagine, though, if he still had Twitter, he still had Facebook, we'd all be seeing him talking about him every day the same way. And I mean, hey, he's still, you know, doing speeches and doing rallies, whatever. But it's crazy the the effect of a Facebook, of a Twitter, you know, of an app, a social media app, you know, can do for, you know, a nation, the world. So um, we actually got some sports news uh, coming down the pipe from ESPN. Uh, Granted, of course, in classic, you know, Brad Isaiah fashion, it's not really like, you know, sports, sports news. I mean, it's it's definitely about uh, Naomi Osaka. Uh, She withdrew, withdrew from the French Open and she says, we'll take some time away from tennis after the controversy over media obligations. So pretty much the long short of the story is the French Open, they have uh, press conferences, you know, they have like the whole junket. You have to, as an athlete participating, you have to go and speak and answer questions in front of Naomi. You know, she's a person who has, you know, anxiety and, you know, has is dealing with depression and things like that. It's a high stress situation. She did not want to do that. She did not want to do, um, it for the at least one press when she didn't want to do and she didn't really want to do them in general because she just felt that it was just a lot of pressure it's a lot of undue you know stuff and it's not about the game so she just didn't want to do the press junkin but granted she did still want to play obviously but um in response to that the french open you know find her and said hey we have to hold all of the uh athletes accountable, you know, to the standard, to this agenda, to, you know, you have to show up for these things. It's part of your job. So, I mean, that, that kind of became where the big issue became because they couldn't treat her differently than, you know, anyone else. But at the same time, this is a person saying, Hey, I mentally just can't do this. I can't, I don't have the energy for it. And I think it was, it's good that it opened up the conversation. It's definitely sad uh, because after she got fined, she kind of said, okay, then I'm just going to be done with the open it's a, I, 
you know, I, she said, and she quoted, um, I never wanted to be a distra- distraction. And I accept that my timing was not ideal and message could have been clearer. So it's just one of those things where you're younger specifically and not so much of a youth thing, but it can just be really hard to, you know, do your job as a, you know, human being, as an athlete and, you know, maintain all the rigors of it on and off the the court or the field, what have you. And, you know, so definitely sending our energy to Naomi, um, you know, definitely going to be moving past that. And um, I do believe uh, the, I think, yeah, Giles Moriton, um, kind of after hearing him speak, he's the president of the French Tennis Federation. Um, he said, and I quote, first and foremost, we are sorry and sad for Naomi Osaka. The outcome of Naomi withdrawing from Roland Garros is unfortunate. We wish her the best and the quickest possible recovery, and we look forward to having Naomi in our tournament next year. As all the Grand Slams, the WTA, the ATP, and the ITF, we remain very committed to all athletes, all athletes' well-being, and to continually improving all aspects of players' experience in our tournaments, including with the media like we have always tried to do. So it's good that he at least, you know, made the, the statement, you know, saying, hey, you know, this isn't us being malicious. It's just us trying to kind of toe that line of making sure that these things get done because this is what you have to do as an athlete in this tournament and, you know, make sure the tournament goes as it's supposed to. So that's our sports news. <laughs> um, but moving into some uh, some tech stuff, because, you know me, I got to talk about that cyber cyber. Uh, the largest meat producer is getting back online after a cyber attack. So JBS, they are like a big meat, like, um, I guess you can say conglomerate. Um, but a lot of the meat that we get, it all gets processed from them and then lay, like sent to other brands and they label it their way. Yada, 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 do whatever. And then they ship it to us and we eat it. Yum, yum, yum. Um, so they are a Brazil-based meat processor. Um and a Russian-speaking gang um, apparently hacked them with ransomware. And pretty much just the way that ransomware kind of works is they they find a way into your system, either through like a phishing email or, you know, some kind of hacker man channel technique method. And by doing that, they install this ransomware into a computer that then can go all over a system and then... They can shut it all down and say, hey, if you don't pay us the money, if you don't pay us, then you're not going to get any of this online. And because we're such a digital company, like we're such a digital age, like everything we have runs on these kind of technologies. So if you say, hey, you can't get your shipping dates out, you'd have no idea where to send these people and all this stuff, everything gets pretty much halted. And so they got back online Thursday. Um, It hasn't been reported yet, at least from what I'm reading, that... um, um, oh, excuse me. It has been reported yet whether or not they paid the ransom or they just were able to get things back online. But, uh, you know, it's, it's crazy how these things kind of happen. They all kind of get done, you know, in the dark, you know, since the Bitcoin's here or there. Um, so we'll definitely keep you posted, you know, if you find out any more. Also, it is a Russian gang, but... Excuse me, I drink some water. Um, it is a Russian gang, but the way a lot of these these uh, these cybercrimes work is 
you know, these state actors might not be exactly state actors. So, you know, you might be a hacker and you're in this group and Russia can or cannot maybe pay or support you, uh, protect you, but you're not connected to them officially. You're just a group in Russia. Uh, North Korea has also done this before. And um, it, it kind of becomes like a trope that is often used. I mean, even us as Americans, we never sit there and say, hey, we did a, we did a thing until you know years or so later when the smoke is much cleared. So it's all becomes like a, you know, an alleged thing, if not a redacted thing. So um, we'll keep you posted. We're glad as a meat eater, I'm very glad that they were able to get things up and running. I don't care if they paid or not. I mean, Hey, I need, I need my meat. I need my meat. Um, And then the last bit of news I got, uh, this kind of just came down the pipe, but uh, anonymous uh, issued a, um, like a threat to Elon Musk. Uh, to me, that was, now granted, this is something I get from TMZ. This sometimes I trust TMZ for this, don't trust them for that. But it's definitely interesting whenever you know anonymous hops up because they'll make a statement and then you know wait a week, wait a month, you know wait a little bit of time, and the next you know they, what they they said comes to fruition. So they pretty much you know I'm saying you know a lot. <laughs> uh, they accused Elon Musk of trying to manipulate Bitcoin to use his influence to kind of, you know, manipulate Tesla as a company in bad ways and unfair ways. Uh, it, it's a lot. And for me personally, I tend to kind of agree with it from what I've seen and read about Elon Musk. Uh, he's definitely an interesting philanthropist. Um, and the things that he is doing in terms of the projects that he's talking about and trying to do are very cool and very neat and, and, and very futuristic. So they're interesting. Um, you want to see them happen. You know, we, we want to go to Mars and we want to say that, hey, we're going to actually be colonizing Mars and having flying space trucks. But to me, it definitely does feel like there's some undue influence and things like that. And it's addressed in the video that they put up, uh, which you can watch on YouTube. They did post it. I don't, know if, I don't believe it's been taken down if I can watch it on TMZ. But um, they just kind of go through the whole thing and um, I am curious to see if Tesla takes it seriously, um, if they beef up their cybersecurity or not, and even if they do, if it matters. Um, so, you know, we shall see. We'll keep you posted. Um, but now I'm going to try to hop in the time machine solo. You know, I'm not the, not the best Navi, but uh, I do what I can, boys and girls. Um, but we got... On June 1st of 1215, uh, the battle in Beijing, or no, I'm sorry, Beijing under control of Jurchen, ruler Emperor Zhangzong of Jin is captured by the Mongols under Genghis Khan, ending the battle of Beijing. So, you know, I like to talk about my man, uh, Genghis. Uh, he did a lot, and this is a big battle for him. Uh, and next we have June 1862, Robert E. Lee takes command of the Confederate armies of North Virginia during the American Civil War. Um, you know, Robert E. Lee is not my favorite man in history, but I mean, him taking the reins there is it was a big move. It's a big deal. Um, you know, you can say what you want about his morals, ethics, politics, whatever. Uh, he was a crack general. Um, in 1540, on June 3rd, we have Hernando de Soto, 
Uh, he crosses the Appalachian Mountains, becoming the first European to do so. Uh, being an American who is in Ohio and is technically like the Appalachians, like, you know, touch my area. It's very weird. Or it's very crazy to think that, hey, a guy just comes over and is like, yeah, you know, let's just make it happen. Let's just do, 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 do. And does this little explorer thing and makes it, makes it happen. So uh, kudos to Hernando. And uh, in June 4th, let's see what we got here. In 781 uh, BC, the oldest Chinese recording of a solar eclipse um, happens. So, you know, that's the first time we kind of looked in the sky, saw that little, oh, 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 where'd the sun go? What's going on? And then, you know, and they recorded it. They said, hey, we got to make sure we see if this happens again. Uh, and then finally, the last little stop we have on a time machine trip, on June 6, 1822, Alexis St. Martin shot is shot in the stomach and is treated by a physician, William Beaumont, on Mechanic Island. Uh, this leads Beaumont to conduct digestion experiments through the hole in St. Martin's stomach. Now, this is a really kind of icky, gross story. But then when you think about the time, the, there was so much to be known of, like, to be known about the human anatomy, how it works. And the guy more or less patched him up. And he's like, oh, well, I mean, I could just fully, you know, finish the job. But, like... I could learn here. So like, let's learn a little bit. And he kept the, you know, the wound open and ran some experiments and, you know, definitely led to some future breakthroughs in terms of surgery and how we treat wounds like that. And, um, you know, just general crazy medical stuff that all kind of happens from someone's ingenuity in a moment and said, Hey, I can fix it and not just fix it. I can learn. So, um, that kind of wraps up our uh, our little short little run there. But um, if you can, always make sure to think about our Patreon. Uh, it's now and then uh, with Brad and Isaiah at patreon.com, I believe. Uh, if not, I will get back to you on that actual what it is. But, you know, feel free to tip if you can. We appreciate it. Also, feedback, uh, now and then podcast gang at gmail.com. Also, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wing your face. Talk to us. Um, let us know. Let us know if we're fucking up. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. Um, yeah, that's that's what we're about here, baby. We love you. We miss you. Tell your friends about us. And, um, you know, have a good week. And uh, keep it breezy, babies. Love ya. Bye-bye. Oh, you know, my, oh, you know, my, oh, you know, my.